0: Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. How many of you like new things? Anything new? New year? New opportunities? New friends? Some of you like new partners. <laughs> Some of you like new friends or new new opportunities. <laughs> Some of you like new shoes or new toys. I am a sucker for anything new. Not just like, I don't like new stuff, but new as in unusual or unique. Anybody else? Like the newer, the more unique, the more unusual. I am all over that. Those stupid ads on your Instagram feed, I am who they were made for. <laughs> absolutely. And I will absolutely admit that yes, I have actually clicked and bought something from those stupid ads on the Instagram feed. Anybody else want to come clean this morning? There is no shame (laughs) in that. And they, you know, those stupid ads, they're ah! Here's the thing, all of you people who are realistic, you non-excitable people, you will know what I'm gonna tell you. All those ads, they're all hype and all disappointment, yes? Anybody else experience the things that are gotten all hyped up and this is so awesome and this is so amazing? And you're just like, yeah, I don't get it. For instance, go ahead, media, you can put up our little picture. Doesn't this light board look so cool? It, look, it, looks, it looks like a really cool thing. Like, dr- I like to draw, and so being able to draw with light, in the dark, with kids. I get toys from my office because the kids are always wandering in there, and it's like I want something for them to do so they don't play with my stuff. But, there's to- but I'm like, this is awesome. It's like you got these little light pans, and you can color and draw. Yeah, hello. You know what it is? piece of cardboard with a funky surface on it. Yes, this is what it is, this looks nothing like that thing, and this stupid pen that you're supposed to draw with, it's like I can hardly keep the light on, let alone a little three year old. All hype, all disappointment, how many of you know? All the hype, and that's the thing about hype. When it, whether it's somebody hyping someone, or something, or some opportunity, Hype is an exaggerated or an excessive description of someone or something, and usually hype does not deliver. How many of you know that to be true? It's so true. Hype doesn't deliver. Could have been somebody hyped up a great new restaurant, and you're like, eh, really? Eh, I don't know. Hyped up a movie, and you're like, oh, that was a loser. But you know what? You cannot hype. You can't hype God. God is completely unhypeable. I think you just need to say that word because it's a cool word, unhypeable. Unhypeable. You can't ever hype God because God will always be more excessive, greater than what we could ever begin to imagine he is. God is unhypeable. Even If you're watching online or you're in this room and you're thinking, oh yeah, that's not my experience. God sure has fallen short of my expectations. What is that all about? You know what? You're at the right place or you're watching. If you're watching online, you are watching what you should be watching because we're going to get to all of that in just a little bit and actually through this whole series over the next couple of weeks that we're starting called the four G's of God. And you might be asking, what are the four G's of God? Well, it's like God's DNA. If God had DNA, these qualities, or these characteristics that we're looking at, they're the qualities of God's nature, God's character, and they're this. God is good. God is glorious. That's just a fancy, funky Bible word for awesome. (laughs) He's glorious. He is great and he is gracious. Good, glorious, great, and gracious. Those are characteristics of God's DNA. They make up his character about who he is. And, And you might be asking, well, what's the big deal? What does it have to do with our daily lives? Is this just like a theology lesson? Actually, no, it's not. Well, it is, but it isn't. Because here's the thing. You are a byproduct of your God picture. Your internal picture of God determines how you see and how you do life. How you see and how you do life, even what you experience or how you experience the circumstances of life has to do with your internal God picture. In other words, how you do you comes from how you see Him. That's a tagline for this series. How you do you comes from how you see him. We wanna make sure we have the right God picture, yes? Because if we don't, we're gonna be living contrary or contradictory to the way we've been created to live. In fact, a lot of the issues that we face in life, a lot of the the breakdown that we experience in life, even the breakdown in relationships, the breakdown in our soul, the breakdown that we perceive around us, has to do with a broken picture of one of these four Gs. Now, before we jump in, I want to remind us of the story framing our lives, because maybe you don't know that there is a story that your life is a part of. There's a bigger story that all of our lives are part of. It started way before we hit the planet. It started with God. It's God's story and it's this. God created us as human beings to be his image bearers. And what that means, God made humans as the ones who we were supposed to bring God's image into creation. In other words, we're supposed to show creation, every part of creation, people and the way things are supposed to work in creation, we're supposed to bring, we're supposed to show how God is good, how God is gracious, how God is glorious, how God is great. We're supposed to show that into creation. So the problem is like, well, that ain't happening. (laughs) Why is that? Well, there was a breakdown in the story, and that's another story. And if you want to find out that story, you need to go to Next Steps Track 201 next week. But see, this is our purpose and reason for existence. The reason we're alive as human beings is through our life, through our relationships, through our job, is showing how God is great how God is good, how God is glorious, how God is gracious. And when we try to live in any way other than that, that's when life stops working. That's when we experience breakdown in life. and so. But the problem is, is if we don't know who God really is, or we have a broken picture of God, We're not going to be able to accurately show that he is good, that he is great, that he is gracious. So today, what I want to talk about, I want to talk around this big G idea that God is good. Look at the person beside you and say, God is gooder than you think. Oh, yes. That is intended to mess with all of you English grammar people, because it's gonna stick in your head. Gooder, 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 gooder. There you go, it's gonna be so sticky, you're gonna hate that, no, that's not proper English. You're right, it's not, but you're gonna think about it now. It's like that lady kept saying gooder, it's so not right. God is gooder than what we think. So, what do we mean by good? There's a lot of different definitions. Good means a lot of different things, right? For example, you came in today, you probably asked, you know, hopefully, you asked at least one or two people, or somebody maybe asked you, how are you doing? And you, we typically respond, I'm good, I'm good, which means what? I've had a good day, I'm happy today, I'm not sick, I'm over the plague, we're good. So, is that what we mean when we say God is good? God's having a good day, he's not sick, he's happy, Is that what it means? Here's the second part of that question, though. Who determines what is good? Who gets to determine that? Advertisers who tell you this is good for your kids, buy it? No. How about the musicians who pump out all sorts of songs with lyrics about what is good? For example, She's a good girl. She's such a good girl. She's a good girl. She feels so good. Thank you, Harry Styles. Madonna's even better. Like hanky-panky, hanky-panky, nothing like a good spanky. (laughs) Thank you, Madonna. We have a great definition of what good is now. Whatever spanky means, I don't even want to think about that one. But who gets to decide what is good? What about the professionals who tell us something is good that is actually now we know is really bad for us? Like heroin. Heroin was once told, we were once told heroin is good for a cough suppressant. <laughs> Give it to your children. I am not lying. Right before the turn of the century in the 1900s, they were using heroin in cough suppressant. Here's another one, cocaine. Cocaine was in the original Coke that you drink. Coca-Cola, that's why it's called Coke. Cocaine, it was also, cocaine was also, this was told by professionals and the smart people, the people who have letters behind their name because they went to school for degrees, said, you know what? Cocaine is, it's a good cure-all for everything. Or, here's a better one. In the 1940s and 50s, medical doctors, everyone say smart people, said lobotomies were the way to treat mental illness. I know, A stupid. Tapeworms are good for diet loss, weight loss programs. Actually it works, but it's not a good idea. <laughs> and the most recent one is vitamin water. Oh yes, all of you who drink your vitamin water. 2009, Coca-Cola again. They lost the lawsuit because they got sued for purporting that vitamin water is good for you when 33 grams of sugar on every bottle was contributing to obesity and diabetes. right, nothing good about that vitamin water, so you can throw it out on your way out. There you go. Here's what we know one person's good is another person's not so good. Isn't this right? And parents, you know this. Oh, ma'am, when your kids were little, maybe when they're teenagers, or maybe it's your spouse. You know, when my kids were little, I used to go into the room, hey, kids, how's your room? Is it good? Oh, yeah, it's good only to go in there and you find, oh, this is not good. This is anywhere from good. There's like trash on the floor. You shoved everything under your bed. There's like dead fruit in there. This is disgusting. It's not good. See, we all have our own definition of good, isn't it true? And the problem with that is, we end up using our definition of good to gauge whether God is good. And you know, I had this challenge, even in my own life. It's a while back when my daughter, who for, it's a couple years back, and I've told this story before, but she was, she was going to school in Red Deer for a while and driving back and forth lots. And when she would be coming, a lot of times she'd stay down for events, and when she would, right before she'd leave Red Deer, if you haven't traveled the Red Deer Road, it's about an hour and 15 minute drive where all weather in the planet could happen. You could have a blizzard in the middle of July, it's true. And she would always message me, she'd send me a text, hey mom, just so you know, I'm leaving now, the roads aren't bad, and I'm like, thank you Jesus, thank you that I have a good daughter who's letting her mother know, and, and I would pray, thank you God that she came, you know, safe journey home, blah, blah, blah. Not 15 minutes later, I get another call from my daughter this time, in hysterics. She is crying, I can barely understand her. I went on the road What happened is she hit black ice, going northbound, crossed the median, did a couple 360s, and landed on the southbound side of Highway 2, proceeded to try to cross the snow-filled median to get going back on the north side to come home, only to get stuck. She ends up, Mike goes to get her. She's fine. The car is fine. She was a little bit gun shy for driving for a while, but everything's fine. It was good. Everybody is good. So fast forward a few hours from this whole incident, I'm up. I'm in the morning. It's I'm reading my Bible. I have my quiet time. I'm reading the Book of Psalms, and there were some verses about David. He's giving God thanks and praise for how amazing and how awesome. I'm like, yeah. God, you are so awesome. And I started thinking about how he, God, thank you that you saved my daughter from a terrible accident. God, thank you that you protected her. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are so good and you were watching over her. Thank you that you brought her home safely. Thank you, thank you. And all of a sudden, I hear so clearly the little whisper that says, you know, if things had turned out differently, I would have still been good. And you know, this is what we have to land on in life. And I love how Craig Rochelle words it. He says, we don't interpret the goodness of God through our circumstances. We interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God. In other words, God is good even when life isn't. And there are three things I want us to get today about God's goodness. Everyone say three. Three. Here's the first thing. Number one, what we need to grasp about God's goodness is this. A right definition of the good that God does comes from a true revelation of the good God is. A right definition of the good that God does comes from a true revelation of the good God is. In other words, we need to know God's goodness based on who he is, not just what he does. Because if we try to interpret what God does, we will get it wrong, we will miss it. We need to know God is good as he is. Who he is is good, and everything he does is always good so how do we get to know him well the same way you get to know somebody else somebody introduces you to him that's how we get to know that God is good someone shares his goodness with us and that's why it's so important that we those of us that would claim to be followers of Jesus why we get this That God is good so that we can live this way. Our world's picture of how good God is hinges on how we live that out. We share. Somebody shared God's goodness with you. But here else, Scripture also tells us that God is good. Listen to Psalm 25, 8. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who, excuse me, who go astray. Psalm 34, 8. This is my favorite, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Psalm 100, verse 5, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. Psalm 149, 5, the Lord is good to everyone. You know what everyone means in the Bible? Everyone. God is good to the worst person in your life. God is good to them. Because you know what? In someone else's life, you are the worst person. I'm serious. We are. None of us live above perfect interaction with other human beings. You are the worst person to somebody, or you will be. Isn't that great news? <laughs> yeah, 2020, my word for the weir. <laughs> Nahum one the Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. So what did the ancient writers mean when they described God as being good? This is what that word good means, their definition, the right definition. When they used the word good to describe God, they meant virtuous. In other words, virtue means high moral and ethical standards. God can be trusted. It means whole. There is nothing lacking in God. He is complete. It means beautiful. It means valuable. Something valuable, it means it's of great worth, right? And if you got something valuable, it makes you feel special. That word good means excellent. In other words, there is nothing second rate about God. He is the best. Good means appropriate. Appropriate means exactly what's needed, not exactly what you want, but what you need. Good means profitable, which means it adds to everything. Something that's profitable means it brings increase. Good means surpassing. In other words, nothing else compares to God. So a right definition of the good God does comes from a true revelation of the good that God is. Everyone say number two. Number two, when you encounter the good that God is, you'll be able to see or understand the good that he does. And we're gonna look at a story from the life of Moses. And if you're not familiar with Moses, he was a great man. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. He was from the famous movie, Prince of Egypt. He was God's man that led over a million people that had been slaves for 400 years in the land of Egypt. And he led them through miracles, through crazy things that God gave Moses power and authority to do. He led God's people out of slavery into freedom. And this is after they've been in the desert for a while and Moses has this experience with God and he says in Exodus 33:18 Moses said, "Please God, let me see your glory." And God said, "I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim the name the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion." But God added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, here is a place near me. You're to stand on the rock, and when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock, cover you with my hand until I have passed by, and then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen." The next day, God came down in a cloud and stood with Moses there. The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. What a crazy experience because look at this. God was able to reveal all his goodness to Moses only when God had seemingly turned his back on Moses. I want you to consider something for a minute. If you feel like God has turned his back on you for any reason, I want you to consider that maybe there is something else greater going on that God is doing, and the reason that God isn't giving you that thing that you thought was good, that you needed to have, was because maybe it was going to hurt you. See, Moses was like, God, show me your glory. Show me your goodness. And God's like, all right, buddy. You want to see my goodness? I am good. This is my goodness. My goodness isn't just what I give you or do for you. Sometimes my goodness is what I don't give you and don't do for you. And right now, I am not gonna give you the full meal deal of my goodness, instead, This is what's gonna happen. You wanna see my goodness? This is what I'm gonna do. My goodness is me putting you in this hole, covering the hole with my hand. I'm going to pass by, I'll take my hand off and you can see my back. That is my goodness because if I didn't do that, we're going to have an Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark episode here, and your little face is going to fry off, and that would not be good. How many of you are thankful God did not give you what you thought was good? Man, I know I am. What did Moses discover about God's goodness? It was this. This encounter that Moses had with God came on the heels of Moses being on the top of a mountain with God for 40 days where God gave him the Ten Commandments and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. Moses comes down from the mountain after 40 days only to hear huge, huge sounds of partying and reveling all of God's people had completely turned from God, were worshiping idols, and they were having in a huge party and it was not a good scene God could have and should have wiped them all out but instead he didn't what did God what did Moses experience about God's goodness God showed incredible restraint God showed his goodness in the form of his mercy and kindness and compassion and not completely abandoning his people. See, so often we base God's goodness on what he does, what what he gives us, and did he do this, and did he do that, but you know what? Sometimes God's goodness is what he does not give us. He doesn't give us the punishment we deserve for our sin and rebellion. See, basically God's people had given God the middle finger of like, we don't need you. That's what it was. But God didn't punish them the way they deserved, and God doesn't punish us the way we deserve. God doesn't give up on us. He doesn't reject us when we reject him. When you encounter the good God is, you will be able to understand the good God does. And number three, when you know God is good, you live to give that good to others. When you know how good God is, you can't help but live in a way that gives that goodness to others. You live as a giver and a not taker and not a taker. You know why? Because when you know the goodness of God that he is everything you will ever want or need. When he is whole, when everything about him is good, he is appropriate. He is exactly who you need and has exactly what you need for right now. When you have an understanding that God is valuable, you will never get any better than God. You can't hype God. When you understand that, you live from a place of fulfillment and you don't need anything, but you can give instead. And that's the way we have been designed to live. Moses had such a revelation of God's goodness. Listen to this. A few verses after his encounter with God, Moses immediately knelt low on the ground and worshiped. He said, my Lord, if I have indeed found favor with you, please go with us, even though this is a stiff-necked people. That means in English, even though they're idiots. God, forgive our iniquity and our sin and accept us as your own possession. See, this encounter with God's goodness did something in Moses that not only did he intercede for people that God should have wiped out, but he actually identified himself with them. He said, God, forgive our sin. Forgive our iniquity. Moses was on the mount with God for 40 days. He was not sinning there. (laughs) He was identifying with this group of people that had abandoned God. And see, that's what happens when you live from this place of God's goodness, a revelation, not just because He's given you everything, but because you recognize how good God is standalone. period. And that's how we live. We live from that place of wanting to show that goodness to the people that we work with, the people that we do life with, the people that you come to church and you see and you're just like, man, I just want to run across the other side of the building and sit over there. I don't want to see them we live in a way that gives god's goodness to people whether they are deserving of it or not see how do you know and experience god's goodness it's through the greatest taste of god's goodness that god gave of himself and that is jesus christ See, David the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, Jesus is a taste of God, God in the flesh. Jesus, when he walked the planet, he said, I am the bread of life. If you taste, if you eat of me, if you consume me, oh, you will never be hungry, you will never be thirsty, you consume me, and I will bring that satisfaction to your life, and that's what Jesus was making very clear, I'm the one that you want. If you consume me like you consume all the other stuff you think you want and you think you need and you think is good for you, all of that stuff is gonna leave you hungry. It's gonna leave you wanting. It's gonna leave you thirsty. I never will. That's what Jesus was saying. And this is what is so amazing. You know what, Moses got to see God's back. But God, showed us his face in Jesus Christ, up close and personal, forever. I want us to stand. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to consider what are you feeding on? Because what we feed on determines what we have a taste for. And I'd like to submit, if you are having a difficult time, a difficult season, or maybe the reason why you have yet to surrender your life to God, if you're having a hard time believing in or seeing God's goodness in your life, I'd like you to consider and ask yourself, what have you actually been feeding on? Maybe you've been feeding on the wrong food. Maybe you've been consuming the wrong things and. Your taste of consideration of what is good is actually not good. And God wants to give you a new taste of Himself. God wants you to taste and see that He is so good. God wants you to taste and see His goodness. God wants you to taste, you know, For some here when it comes to jesus god you know the whole faith thing you've been an observer and it's just like if you've ever gone to a foreign country and you see a food you've never seen before and you kind of you observe it you look at it you give it the sniff test you're kind of like i don't know it looks kind of sketchy and your hesitancy in regards to being all in and surrender and following and living the life God created you to live. You've been an observer. And I'd like to encourage you and I'd like to invite you to become a taster this year. Be one that tastes and sees how good God is. How does, what does that actually mean? What well, means you just simply start interacting with God like he's real. You start talking to him like, you start discovering who he is where do you do that in the Bible you start hanging around and asking questions of people who do know him and let them introduce you to him and I want to say to those of you that do follow Jesus if you got people that start asking you questions you give a good taste it's not about all the stuff you give God a good taste of his grace and his kindness and his love and his mercy and his compassion. I want us to pray, everybody with your eyes closed. Can we pray together? This is a prayer of saying, yes, Jesus. I wanna taste, I wanna follow you. Say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you have done. Thank you for your life, your death on the cross, and rising again to start a brand new reality of new creation life, your kingdom rule here on earth. I say yes to this reality being the defining reality over my life. I follow you, Jesus, to live in this reality. Thank you. Amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the Next Step section on the City Life Act. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.